Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I have to say I'm very excited about the episode tonight. The, the topic tonight is Sacred Sexual Awakening and Healing and our guest is Amrita Grace. We're going to bring Amrita on in just a minute. But what I really like about this topic is is this, our own sexuality and how it relates to healing. I don't think I've talked too much on this show about my own um, experience with um, perhaps a common term would be Tantra and the, the the Tantra experience and but but the core of it is our sexuality and and sexuality more specifically as it relates to reaching deep within the realm of who we are um and and i i totally agree with this um the the sacred aspect of our sexuality i think um i mean we've talked many times on the show about about healing ourselves about cleansing out the imprinting um physically emotionally spiritually within our being and we've talked about many, many, many modalities with so many different guests on the show. But tonight I really like um, this topic. We've had other people talk about Tantra and the and the sexual aspect of healing. But um, it done right, um, our sexuality can be a very powerful. Um, modality, if you will, for us to journey if deep into our psyche, deep into our past, if you will, to, to and to use the the sacred sexual aspect of ourselves as a really deep cleansing um, modality. And what I like about our, our show tonight is Amrita does it so gracefully, and she's so grounded, as you will soon hear, and um, there's so much compassion in her heart for humanity and, and for um, women. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very delighted to, to delve into this with Amrita. I'm, um, this is her first time on the show. Amrita is an award-winning, best-selling author, an emerging influential leader in the feminine sexual empowerment movement. She has been fiercely committed to guiding spirit-led women into their authentic, embodied, personal power since 2000 inspiring them to live the fulfilled and abundant lives they dream of. She is an award-winning, international, best-selling author of Reclaiming Aphrodite, 
this journey to sexual wholeness and also dancing with breast cancer, the sacred feminine path to wholeness. She is a certified spiritual sexual educator, an ordained high priestess, a shamanic breathwork facilitator, and an art of feminine presence teacher. She is the lineage holder for the work of Carolyn Muir and a master teacher of the body of master teacher of the body of work globally celebrated as sacred sexual awakening and healing. Following a swift and joyful journey through breast cancer, Amrita received a global vision and spiritual directive to train and certify teachers to answer the immense need for healing and transformation of, of the sexual shadow and sexual wounding worldwide. As co-founder and director of the Sacred Feminine Mystery School, she and Carolyn Muir train and certified empowered feminine leaders to hold safe, impeccable, sacred space for people of all genders to heal their sexuality so they can live lives of joyful abundance. I, ju I just love having her on the show. Please join me in welcoming Amrita to the show. And welcome to the show, Amrita. Thank you, Les. It's a, such an honor and a pleasure to be here. I'm so delighted having you on the show because I'm I'm impressed with uh, the work that you're doing. It's um, from my perspective, it seems like uh, you're you're uh, should I say brave enough or vulnerable enough to go to um, a, a very deep sense of healing with the work that you're doing. What what got you started uh, working with women? Well, uh, that's a good question. I, I would have to even track back before I got involved in the sexual healing work. I think working with women, there is a certain degree of safety that really drew me into working with women. And, I, and it really started in with my own healing path, but I was drawn to come into my own healing path in a circle of women. And I think that really set the stage for me because I could because I was having my own issues in interactions with the masculine and to be in a circle of women felt really safe. So that was really where it got started for me with women. Do you do you feel like um your life path kind of um prepared you cuz to, to do this kind of work, and, and the reason I say that is uh, oftentimes guests on the show will have a an upbringing from their from their family dynamics or whatnot that kind of creates a, a polarity of 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 their relationship with themselves, and once they heal that or, or make a substantial um, uh, prog uh, progress in healing that aspect, they turn around and they share that with others. Um, do you feel like your family, your your upbringing, um, created uh, um, 
an opportunity to have a deeper understanding of of our human dynamic? That is classic wounded healer. And I absolutely identify with that archetype. The first time I heard that, I was like, I was resistant. Was like, oh, no, no, I'm not wounded. <laughs> of course, you want to push that stuff away. But the truth is that the wounded healer is very, very compassionate and brings a lot of their own life experience. And I'm certainly no exception to that because my, my childhood, I had a childhood experience of sexual abuse and along with physical and emotional abuse, that really did set me up to, first of all, act out for probably the first 20 years of my adult life, and then to hit that classic bottoming out place. And I love this quote from J.K. Rowling. Rock bottom became the solid foundation upon which I built my life. And it really, that was really the the case for me. I, I found that place of... I can't be in this wounded place anymore. I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting other people. And I really want to live a life of integrity, especially with regard to my sexuality. So from there, it was really that turning point that took me in the direction of, of, there was a lot of clarity that came in with that and took me in the direction of my own healing and then being in a space where I could support others in their healing. Right. I like that. Well, you talked about um, um, acting out the uh, the dichotomy. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but before you came to uh, the, the uh, transformation, if you will, when when we talk about people that are um, perhaps resisting the lesson or perhaps um, um, putting up a guard, you know, where where the dance uh, of the lesson is not really face full on. In other words, like examples might be uh, addictions or um, uh, to pull back and stay isolated, to avoid facing um, the truth. How would you describe um, some of the patterns you see of of acting out um, that avoidance, if you will? We use the word addiction, and that is it's really addictions of any kind, and there are many kinds. Addictions of any kind are really a way of keeping the pain at bay, and. It, it's 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 one of the ways that I have compassion for people who who have addiction. I diagnosed myself as a sex addict, and it could have been any any number of addictions. But for me, that was the primary way that I acted out and kept my pain at bay, so I wouldn't have to face it. And really, it it can be any number of things. Certainly, it can be the, the well-known addictions like alcohol and um, drugs, and a lot of times there can even be combinations of addiction. And whereas a lot of people who are sexually abused, especially women, shut their sexuality down, I went hypersexual. And that, and, and the, when I look when I look back on why that happened for me, at some point I made a decision unconsciously, or not fully consciously, I should say, that nobody would ever have power over me again. And so. I 
realized on some level that I could be the one in charge and I could be the powerful one and I used my sexuality in that capacity and and that that can be a really tricky kind of addiction to address because how do you know when you're sober right celibacy is not sobriety however a period of celibacy is usually a good thing for someone who has experienced sexual addiction but ultimately for me sobriety was something that I could only know for myself and I was very committed and very dedicated to finding my sexual sobriety while which means really having a healthy relationship with my sexuality having a healthy relationship with my with my partners and just having healthy relationships in general and that's really not possible when when someone's in addiction of any kind because that sets up the addiction codependency cycle and I certainly experienced a fair share of that for 20 20 years and two marriages but by that by I'd say my late 30s I was really over it it's like this is not a way to live it was painful it was difficult and I knew that there were people that were being harmed, myself included, by my behavior. So, so one of the first things that I needed to face was uh, all the shame that I had not faced over all the years. And, and that was a really big deal. But shame is such, it's such a thing. And it's been imposed on us in so many ways, um, especially through religions. And so it's it's not just really a, a personal issue; it's a cultural issue and a collective issue dealing with shame. So that's that's definitely one of the big pieces of the puzzle. Oh sure, shame and guilt are at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, it those those emotions can motivate us to check out, or you know, you, you talk about. Um, um, Moving into, uh, uh, I think you said, a hypersexual um, stance, if you will. And it, it, it's in order to um, navigate uh, your, your life dynamic, um, moving into a hypersexual space, it, I, um, from my perspective, it seems like um, sex was uh, uh, like a sword to make sure you stayed in advantage and didn't fall into disadvantage with your relationship. And as a result of that, um, it created a, a, a really stout posturing with, with sex as the fulcrum of control. That's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the whole, it's not the whole thing. Part of, a big part of that was piece of it, but the the main part for me was it was it was well it was a way to feel powerful like you just said, and it was also a way to not feel pain. It was my drug. Sure. It was my heroin. So so both of those things came into play, and I was actually really lucky in that I never found myself in an abuse physically abusive situation as an adult. I never was harmed. I never contracted any diseases. I was really quite, quite lucky. 
and really grateful to come out the other side of those those years with my health intact and and knowing that I really did have the capacity to heal and where whereas the, the sort of the regular way to find healing in this realm of addictions would be through the 12 step program which has helped many 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 people I didn't find that that was really the answer for me and I found that I needed something much more accelerated and something that was um, in circle with women something that was very spiritual and and something that that I could really um, navigate in the way that I wanted to navigate my healing which was very accelerated so I, I found my own way and that worked really well for me well I like that I like the uh, trusting your own intuition if you will I don't um, you know it's um, it, I mean we're talking about this uh, this dynamic of, of um, being born into a situation and and having this um, uh, life lesson, if you will, and and or what what I'm getting at is when we're in addiction, when we're when we're avoiding it, when we're um, trying to mask the pain with whatever modality we prefer, it there's some. Um, courage or maybe it comes out of frustration where it's like the addiction is avoiding the feeling avoiding the um healing if you will there there's there's some bravery and some courage to to kind of turn around and look at um what is typically a a painful uh type of experience whether it be you know, um, spousal abuse or emotional um, tug of war, if you will. Um, when you come to that that turning point where it's you're tired of running from it, so to speak. I mean, just in general. Um, what kind of what kind of triggers are there that says enough is enough? I mean, when you when you look at what made you decide to turn it all around um what were some of the turning points that helped that choice be made well i think ultimately uh the second marriage being destroyed so two marriages 20 years total and the second marriage is going down and it's it's really it's it's not just me it's it's addiction and codependency, both of us, in that cycle, and, and and really, there was something inside of me that wanted to to be to be a leader, to to make an impact, and I ha- had a lot of healing to do before I could even begin to consider something like that. So so really there's I think there's just this drive. You know, you talked about a life lesson. And I really do see it that way. I I know that on a soul level I chose into that family, I chose into that situation, I chose into that life lesson. And 
and I know that that it served me because I had big work to do in the world and that I needed to go through that healing process so that I would be able to, to, to bring forth the passion and the compassion to do the work that I'm here to do. So ultimately, it served my full purpose. Right. I like the passion and compassion element. So, so you're in the second, <clears throat> you're in the second um, marriage and it, it's uh, crumbling, and not to put words in your mouth. At, at some point you, uh, you turn and you face the vulnerability. I mean, to, to be vulnerable to what you've been avoiding for so many years, to to turn around and like let down your guard, so to speak. Um, the, there's, I mean, I know our egos can be really scared to death of feeling vulnerable, and to let that guard down and to to immerse in the in the the harder feelings the 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 more powerful feelings of vulnerability so to speak um how did that feel to to quit running i you know i again i don't want to put words in your mouth but to to stop the avoidance behavior and then just be present to that feeling of of vulnerability, um, I think that's what keeps addiction in place for years or decades. Is is avoiding that vulnerability? How, how did it feel for you to turn around and kind of immerse in the lesson? Well, it certainly does take courage, as you as you've mentioned, and it is a vulnerable place. But there was just there was something much deeper and stronger that was a commitment to be the best person I could be that was really driving it. So I I knew that I would go through whatever I needed to go through. I would face whatever I needed to face. And I had years of therapy. But ultimately, when I came out the other side of that therapy, I found that my sexuality still wasn't healed. And that was really frustrating for me because I was doing the work. And it was then that I had the, the, the grace to find myself. Uh, I found a, a school that taught sacred sexual healing. And I knew that was my path because that was exactly what I needed. Years of, of talk therapy didn't really address, they could address the addiction, the addiction on a mental level. But I, what I really needed was something much more embodied. And really, this embodiment piece is, is one of the big pieces of the puzzle in healing. And I really found my path when I started to to walk that path of sexual healing. That was that was really where it was at, and that's really what brought me to this place today of being so deeply committed to being a teacher of sacred sexual awakening and healing. Because there are so many different ways that we are wounded around our sexuality from parents who don't really know how to raise us well or how to speak to us about sexuality 
the the shame and guilt that is heaped on us by religions and has been for thousands of years, the way that our culture uses sex as a commodity and at the same time also keeps it a dirty secret. And all of these things are emerging now and being revealed for healing. And this is huge. It can feel really challenging, but it's absolutely needed. All the sexual shadow that's emerging right now in our culture, it's really a blessing because it's like the way that religions have tried to keep sexuality in a box, I liken it to trying to hold a beach ball underwater. You can only do it for so long and it's going to pop. And it's popping now. And that's really being revealed by all of the, the gurus and the, um, the priests and the bishops and the John of Gods who are, are being revealed as sexual offenders. So it's coming to light. The darkness is coming to light. And I think that's really an opportunity for healing for all of us. Indeed. I, I think that our sexuality is tied to our, our power. Our, our sexual modality, if you will, is, is, um, kind of a hardwired circuitry of awakening to a, a more authentic idea of ourselves. And it, you know, so often couples, um, well, people in general will go through multiple relationships where um, when they meet, they're they're feeling that that um, young love, the infatuation, perhaps, and they get married, and then uh, it seems like sexuality is deeper than any wounding, if you will. And as two, three, four, five years into a relationship. Um, as couples get more and more intimate, they're bumping up against their shadow, against their um, their wounding, if you will. And uh, sexuality is such a um, powerful um, way to delve deeper into our own psyche. It's uh, and and as such, I think. Um, the the sexual healing that we've been talking about is really uh, a healing with their own sense of of personal power, and that power comes from um, a sense of uh, harmony and a sense of balance, where there is no posturing, where there is kind of a communion or union with the other, with the beloved. So as you work with uh, clients. Um, how do you create a space to to help people let their guard down? I mean, it, it would seem like if they're if they've been posturing with um, surrendering, if you will, posturing with letting go of the of the trying to control um, the addiction. How do you? How do you work with that, uh, create a space for that, for that healing to occur? Well, the, the basis of it is trust and integrity 
And really, it's about presence. And this is one of the big things that I teach. And I don't work with people individually. I work with people in groups. And at this time, I'm working with women. And so creating a safe, sacred space and having full integrity in myself so that other people can trust the space that I've created, welcoming them with compassion, and then guiding them step by step through a process that is simple and safe and straightforward. And it's clean in that it's about healing sexuality, but it's not about bringing in well, let me just use an example here. So a lot of the Tantra schools are teaching have better sex and have bigger orgasms. And that's what draws a lot of people. And that's great. There's definitely a place for that. But I feel like before that, there is a need for healing the dynamics between the masculine and the feminine that can come into play. And for we're really coming into ourselves and our own bodies. And that's really the space that I create, is for women to come into their own selves and not necessarily need to be interacting with someone else. So in the healing work that I teach, there are three distinct roles, a facilitator, a receiver, and a witness. And this Pod of three creates its own container of safety. And one of the biggest principles of the work that I teach is presence. And that is really just being a witness for another. It's, it's not being a healer or giving them anything or sending anything. It's simply being with them. And this is, this is a concept that's not very easy to teach. And it really depends on where people are at in their own process with it. But over the last seven or eight years, I've developed some exercises to bring into my workshops to help people understand what it means to be present. Because we're simply not taught this by our parents or in schools, what that means. We're taught to be active listeners and validate what people are saying. But when we validate what somebody else is saying, which is a cultural norm, social norm, it impacts their experience. So I just use some uh, dyad speaking exercises to demonstrate the power of presence and then invite them to bring this power of presence into the healing sessions so that the person who's in the receiving role has an opportunity to experience whatever is theirs. There's no one trying to heal them or trying to do anything for them. They're simply holding the space. And that is a really powerful thing. It's super simple, and it doesn't require a whole lot of skill from a facilitator. It does require the skill of being able to be present with themselves and the other person. But it's so powerful in what can happen in that space. Because whatever a woman experiences in that receiver role, whether it's releasing anger or rage or pain or experience, experiencing her own joy or her own sexual energy, it's her own. 
She doesn't need to interact with anybody with it. She doesn't need to perform. She doesn't need to, um, she doesn't need to do anything except have her own experience. And this is one of the things that sets the work that I'm teaching, the body of work that I'm teaching apart from other similar bodies of work is that it's very presence-based. And I consider it to be foundational. It is foundational. This is really the foundation of what should be taught before people go off into um, having better sex tantra workshops. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> right? No. <clears throat> I agree. It's... Uh... Um, I really like how you're, uh, the context you're putting this in. Um, you mentioned the opportunity to experience what is theirs, um, to create the space. Uh, so often, I mean, I can talk to the masculine side. The, 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 when, um, in a general sense, when a man listens to a woman, um, oftentimes the man wants to be the, the fixer where when a problem is shared or a difficulty is shared, the intent is to, well, let's get past this, let's fix it, let's resolve it. And what I like about what you're talking about is um, just holding the space to allow the um, experience of feeling it. it from my perspective, the the pain that we push into our psyche over time is in our psyche because when it was originally felt, we didn't fully embody it. We resisted it and we pushed it into our subconscious, so to speak. And I suggest the healing comes from just being like you've been talking about, just being um, present, having the opportunity to experience it is, uh, is an opportunity in that moment for the feeling to be felt and thus released. So it's, it's uh, I'm, I think emotions get a real bad rap in when they're projected on another. Like, <laughs> I have to laugh when uh, I hear a young couple that are engaged to get married and they'll say something like, well, they make me so happy. And I think, well, if they're responsible for your happiness, just tie a brick of concrete around their head and throw them in the river. Because whether you're happy or not comes from within you. And to put somebody else in charge, so to speak, of your feelings, um, I really like what you're talking about as as far as making a space. And then when the, when the feeling comes up in the present, not to try to uh, project a, a fix for it or sentence some sort of... Um, um, elixir or wisdom to to um, transform the person, but allow the person to just experience what they've been per, uh, perhaps resisting and to be present in that vulnerable space so it can transform within themselves without any um, management by anybody else. Um, so when you when you create a space like this, um, what kind of uh, responses have you gotten from the participants? Well, I would say um, across the board, 
people respond to this in amazing ways, in miraculous ways. And it's one of the things that makes this body of work so special and unique. It allows women to have, and people, really people of all genders, to have an experience unlike probably anything they've had before. And because what we're encouraging them to do is to breathe and make sound when they're in that receiving role, they're accessing energy that's been stored and they're releasing it through sounding instead of talking about it. So essentially by not using words, it bypasses the mental realm and there doesn't need to be any stories around what's being released. It's just, it's leaving. And it, it's fast. That's one of the miraculous aspects of it is that it's fast. And it can move a tremendous amount of energy in a very short period of time and leave someone feeling very freed up. And we just, we just don't realize how much energy we store, especially around matters of sexuality. All that gets stuffed in our pelvic region, in our lower energy centers, our lower chakras. And it just stays there, and it builds up, and we don't want to feel it, so we just kind of cut ourselves off from the waist down. A lot of people do that. And and then we're, we, we don't have access to the, that power. That's really the basis of our personal power. So it's, it's important to be able to access and free that energy up and get it moving. And, and really, you were talking about relationships, and I want to revisit that, too, is that this is so, this presence piece is very applicable in relationships of all kinds because the masculine is hardwired to solve problems. And that is a beautiful thing. But there are times when that's not appropriate. And I know a lot of couples run into this where the woman doesn't feel heard because, because the man wants to fix the problem. And that's what he knows to do and that's how he knows to help. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But if, when, when the masculine can learn to be present without fixing in the right situation, then it can make a really big difference in how, in, in intimacy and how couples relate with each other. And it can be very, very profound. And this can be true in same-sex relationships as well, in all kinds of relationships, not love relationships, but relationships with co-workers, with family members, when, when, when one person can listen to another person without needing to impact their experience or change it or convince them of something, it is profound, the communication that can happen. Well, and it, it, it's really kind of a, a good thing um, for the masculine because when the when the man steps out of the well, I need to fix this mindset. When the man um, gets uh, off the hook, so to speak, as the fixer, it it, <laughs> it can be a, a a big relief to um, just to hold the space for the for the feminine or the woman to. Um, unravel it within herself um, as 
I mean, it's like the masculine creates a space of presence of, of consciousness where there's um, just um, clear awareness, an, an observation, if you will. And then as the woman um, has these feelings come up, it's through the woman's um, um, ability to be vulnerable and, and uh, re, um, surrender to the feelings as they percolate up within her persona. And the man doesn't have to fix it. <laughs> it, it becomes a very, 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 in my opinion, powerful um, environment um, to to have that trust of this, this is a safe place. This the the masculine is creating a space of awareness of consciousness, and I can go ahead and and go epileptic, so to speak. I mean, in, to use a metaphor, I can I can go through emotional upheaval, and the man doesn't take it personally. The man doesn't. Um, uh, drop into reaction, and um, in in the in that in that space that he's holding, an immense amount of 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 release of of um, healing can happen in a very short period of time. And I I would imagine it goes the other way too, where um, uh, I, I certainly know that men on this planet are carrying huge, um, um, huge baggage from their past that holds all kinds of pain. And um, to to have a space of of safety where y you won't be judged for the seemingly chaotic feelings of, of contrast or irrational um, thoughts uh, or feelings. Um, it, it's a very powerful thing, and yet just to hold a space seems so simple. So how, have, how has your life changed? I mean, if you were to um, compare yourself with before you started this journey of healing, when you were in addiction, to this present moment, I mean, as as you experience your day to day life, what has changed for you? Huh. That's that's really a great question because I never, my younger self, never could have imagined what I the life that I'm living now, and really, I everything changed because and this is this is the power of sexual healing work and accessing our sexual energy is is the capacity to really draw high quality relationships into your life and I had this I referred earlier to having a calling that, that there was a calling to be an empowered leader and I really didn't know exactly what that was about but now I'm in a place of working from home, being in an 11-year beloved relationship that is amazing, and feeling very abundant in all aspects of my life, having a wonderful home that I love living in, in a community that I love living in, and really having
having the opportunity to continue to step into my power as, as a leader in the realm of sacred sexual awakening and healing. About a year and a half ago, I received a global vision that the sacred sexual awakening and healing work was needed all over the world. And that what I needed to step into was to train teachers because I can't, I can't do it all myself. Right. I can't teach enough weekend workshops or enough we even week-long workshops to get this out into the world in the way that it needs to be. So I received the, the a directive, a spiritual directive to train teachers. And I, it was kind of like hanging on to the back of a speeding train after that. Because <laughs> I said yes to that. And the last year and a half has been a very accelerated time of creating a teacher training, um, a six-month teacher training of, of coming all the way through the first round of that teacher training and graduating my first round of teachers and preparing now for the next one and then also teaching the introductory weekends and week-long workshops in between and really creating the infrastructure to get this work out into the world in a bigger way. And the infrastructure involves a whole lot of sitting in front of my computer and I have a new website underway and all that goes with that and the marketing and really creating the infrastructure for a school that will outlive me. And so, so it's, it's a lot, and I'm up for it. Well, it's very powerful. I mean, jeepers. I, I think uh, the sexual arena is perhaps one of the most powerful arenas for healing. So, so say I'm uh, listening as uh, the audience, and I think that maybe as a listener to this show that I feel like um, a woman that would uh, be fulfilling their own calling to, to learn this material. How do you, what would you say to women that are um, considering learning this material through you? I would say that if you have not addressed your sexual healing, you may very well be falling short of your potential to attract and receive the really important things. And for most people, that's financial abundance, high-quality relationships, and the capacity to really make an impact on the planet. Because we carry it all, especially as women, we carry it all in our bodies, all this cultural and religious and sexual shame and wounding, and it's been passed down from our foremothers through our families. And most women really aren't fully aware of the impact that this has on their health, on their relationships, and on their capacity to receive things like money and abundance. Because receiving is a really big piece of this. So if someone is feeling, if this is chiming something for you, then it's really worth investigating what, where are you at in your body with your sexual energy because it is an extremely potent resource and for most people it's completely untapped. So if, if this is really striking a chord for you, 
I encourage you to investigate further and you can visit my website, which is sacredfeminineschool.com and read more about what this work is about. There are videos. You can see a video of how women work in groups of three and that's all fully closed work, which is where we start. That's one of the ways we keep it really safe is with fully closed work. And if you're really feeling called into this work as an empowered feminine leader, then you can find also there information about the teacher training. And I teach women to work with all genders because this work is for everyone. It's for all genders. It's for all ages. And I really, part of my vision is that, that, that there is a new way to teach children about the sacredness of their bodies and about the sacredness of sexuality in age-appropriate ways because that's been a big fail. And in schools, the way we're taught in schools, and to teach abstinence is ridiculous because it's holding the beach ball underwater. It's just not going to work. So... There's a lot of information and a lot of resources that you can tap into by going to my website and a lot that you can, can read about and experience about this work. And then just really check in with your body. Is this the right path? And if it is, you're certainly welcome to check out. I offer weekend workshops so you can get a taste. Occasionally I have half-day intros where you can get even a smaller taste. Sometimes I offer week-long workshops, and I work with Caroline Muir on presenting the week-long workshops and the teacher training. And she has been, uh, in the beginning, she was my mentor, and now she's my business partner. And we um, do some pretty incredible work together. She has 40 years of experience teaching in the realms of Tantra Yoga. And she's semi-retired now, but she is very much the founder of this work, and I'm carrying her lineage forward. So she's very much part of it as well. We're looking at creating a work week-long introductory workshop together in late uh, next summer of 2020 in uh, near Amsterdam in the Netherlands. So, um, so we have quite a few options for people who are interested. Well, I like that. Um, well, um, <clears throat> what... <clears throat> What's on the other side of of healing? Not that we're ever finished healing, but um, you, you've you've talked about um, living in a a much more healthy, harmonious relationship, so to speak. Um, what does a healthy relationship look like? I mean, if if somebody's still in the addiction side, still in the posturing side. What's on the other side of healing, so to speak? Well, I can certainly speak for myself on that. After those two marriages, those two broken marriages I spoke about earlier, and then that decision to really work my healing path, I was single for eight years. During that time, I was doing my sexual healing work, and I was really visioning what I wanted in a relationship, in a love relationship. And I had very, very high standards. And with those high standards, I envisioned and dreamed up the beloved relationship that I wanted, and I held that. 
And when he actually showed up, it blew all those expectations and desires and dreams away. And to this day, almost 11 years later, we still have an exquisite relationship that is it's happy, it feel, we feel safe, our inner children feel safe with each other, we have trust, we have intimacy, and I'm not saying it's been without its issues because all relationships have them, but we have the resources to work through anything, and that one of those resources is the capacity to be present with each other and to allow each other to be exactly who they are. And now I'm in my mid-50s, I'm post-menopause, I'm post-breast cancer, and I've had a lot of issues with low libido, as a lot of women my age do. And yet, instead of shutting it all down and saying, I just can't go there anymore, I know how important it is for me to continue to access my sexual energy and find ways to create new ways to create intimacy with my partner, and he's incredibly supportive of that. So that's, I can give a very glowing review <laughs> to, to partnership and relationship on the other side of sexual healing. Right. I like that. So, I mean, so what does healing look like when, I mean, if if you've done this for so long, I mean, a lot of times when we go to do the inner work, there's the low-hanging fruit, if you will, the uh, the obvious stuff that we're wrestling with. How do you um, how does healing look like when I think you mentioned 11 years in your current relationship? Um, what kind of, of uh, personal components come to the surface after you've established that safe place, uh, the ability to hold each other in in sacred space? I would say that the capacity to be vulnerable with each other, the capacity to name our wounded parts to each other, the capacity to confess our shadows, to each other. That is something I've never experienced in any relationship prior. And it is so precious to be able to be vulnerable with each other and not have that used as a um, as an excuse to attack. Like that dynamic can be present. You see a weakness in someone and you go after that weakness and you make yourself strong and right. That dynamic is really not present in my relationship. And that is a huge gift. It really sounds like there's an element of freedom that has come into play through that. Very much so. Freedom is a great word for it. Well, um... An hour goes by pretty fast. Um, I want to, I, I know you've shared uh, some aspects of your, the platform you've created to work with uh, people, but can you, can you give us the, the whole circumference of, of what you do with people and how they can engage your process, um, web page, um, every, everything that relates to you? 
Oh, yes, um, certainly. So really, you can find anything that you need to know, would like to know about me, at sacredfeminineschool.com. And there you'll find upcoming events. And that includes, we do a quarter, Caroline and I do a quarterly free global sisterhood circle online called Sacred Feminine Conversations. And so those are free. And then I also offer weekend workshops. And I have a couple of those coming up this year, one in North Carolina and one in Colorado. And those are, those are also women. The next certified spiritual sexual educator teacher training begins November 2nd. And that is a six-month program, which has a week-long intensive at the beginning of it and a week-long intensive at the end of it. And then there are coaching calls, group coaching calls, and, and individual coaching calls in between, and, um, and a huge online component that goes along with that. Uh, let's see. There are a lot, you'll find lots of blog posts, and there's also a free gift that I offer on my website as well. If anyone is interested in delving a little more deeply into the sexual healing arena, I have written an award-winning, best-selling book called Reclaiming Aphrodite, The Journey to Sexual Wholeness. And I give away the first four chapters as a free gift, as an opt-in gift on my website. So you'll find that there as well. And um, you, I'm very accessible and happy to communicate and connect with people. So if you need more information, would like to reach out to me, you can contact me as well through my website, and I would be absolutely delighted to, to speak with you, to communicate with you via email, and answer any questions that you might have that aren't answered by the website. Wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm delighted to help get this information out there. Well, I'm going to turn this conversation a little bit, um, and perhaps we take a big step back and and look at the the mythology if you will of of sacred feminine of healthy feminine of powerful feminine when you think about um the the healed um feminine what's the what's the new attributes i mean both masculine and feminine have been in quite a quagmire for um uh, such a long span of time as as this healing modality of the power of the sexual of the power of the vulnerable if you will um what do you what do you see as the the new dynamic the new attributes of a, a powerful healthy feminine persona well for one thing the empowered healthy feminine speaks her truth and women's voices have been shut down for a long time and this is one of the things that's emerging now through especially the Me Too movement, is that women are speaking up. They're finding their voice, and they're speaking their truth. And really, it's our birthright is to be happy. It's to be joyful. It's to enjoy this human life. 
and to find ways to to extract the juice out of life, so to speak. So the empowered feminine is embodied. She is comfortable in her body. She loves her body, whatever its shape or size is. And she has full access to her sexual energy, knowing that it's her life force energy. It's not just for sexual relationships. It's the, it's the juice that it's the, it's, it's really what we're here. It's why we're here. It's our life force energy. It provides our vitality and our good health as long as we're accessing that. That new empowered feminine archetype is, is standing up to be a leader if that's what she's called to. And to be an example of, of integrity and full enjoyment of life from a place of, of creativity and passion and joy. <sighs> She's arriving. Right. And we welcome her. Well, Amrita, it's uh, it's quite evident that the passion you have for this material and the compassion you have for the feminine and for humanity is is quite evident. And I want to thank you for being your own authentic self to to have such a a, a, um, a deep desire to not only heal yourself but bring it as a modality to to the whole of humanity, if you will. So it's it's really been a delight and a pleasure having you on the show. I want to thank you for being our guest. It's been my pleasure very much, and uh, to, to bring my sacred calling is really an honor and a privilege, and to be able to share it with your audience is also an honor and a privilege. Thank you, Les. Thank you. We've been talking with Amrita Grace, and the topic tonight has been Sacred Sexual Awakening and Healing. Again, you can learn more about Amrita Grace at sacredfeminineschool.com. Um, I, I encourage you, if you're, if you're looking for um, really powerful work in your life, if, if you feel the calling from within yourself to really do some deep cleansing and really kind of show up in a bigger way, show up in a more powerful way in your own life path, in your own life story, as we say many times on the show, it's important that you're authentic to yourself. Um, and Rita and, what, and the work she's doing is is very powerful. And Carolyn Muir was... Uh, a part of the education I got and the practices I I learned about um, many years ago. So uh, just two thumbs up for these two wonderful ladies. You know, time goes by pretty fast when you delve into deep and powerful topics. But hey, you showed up for yourself. Here you are listening to the show. And I really appreciate that. It's always my pleasure and delight to bring you such powerful episodes like this one tonight. 
Um, you can download this episode and any other episode and take it with you when you travel or perhaps in your commute. Uh, go to newhumanliving.com slash radio to have an entry point into the archives where there's just hundreds and hundreds of uh, podcasts that we've done here on the show. I'm your host, Les Jensen. I appreciate you showing up. It's my good pleasure to spend this time with you. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at NewHumanLiving.com. Thanks for listening.